We turn together to number 210 in the Trinity Psalter hymnal. Number 210. O God, we praise Thee and confess that Thou, the only Lord and everlasting Father, art by all the earth adored. We're going to sing verses 1 and 3, and then verses 5 and 6. Verses 1 and 3, 5 and 6 of number 210. Let's stand together as we sing. This morning, God's word comes to us from Psalm 131. Psalm 131, one of the shorter psalms in the Psalter, a song of ascent, a song that Israel would sing on their way up to Jerusalem. Psalm 131, beginning at verse 1. What we hear now is God's word. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up, my eyes are not raised too high, I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul, like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, Hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. I invite you to turn to the back of your Trinity Psalter hymnal to page 894 in the back. Page 894. This is the Heidelberg Catechism, and this morning I will read the two questions and answers of Lord's Day 46. 
reading from page 894, question 120. Why has Christ commanded us to address God as our Father? The answer, to awaken in us at the very beginning of our prayer, what should be basic to our prayer? A childlike reverence and trust that through Christ, God has become our Father and will much less refuse to give us what we ask in faith then will our parents refuse to give us the things of this life? Question 121, why the words who is in heaven? These words teach us not to think of God's heavenly majesty in an earthly way and to expect from his almighty power everything needed for body and soul. Well, last week we began our study on prayer. We saw that while the disciples observed many actions of Jesus, when they heard him pray, they made their request, Lord, teach us to pray. We saw that prayer, the character of our prayers, they must be offered sincerely, they must be offered humbly, they must be offered confidently. And the content of those prayers is everything we need, both physical and spiritual. When Jesus taught uh, the Lord's Prayer, he not only taught them what to pray for, but he gave them a beautiful model of what prayer may look like. The Lord's Prayer has a particular structure to it. It begins with that address the address to God, our Father. It is then followed by two sets, each of which have three petitions. Petitions, first of all, for God's name and for God's kingdom and for God's will. And then three petitions for our bread, for our forgiveness, and for our temptations. And the prayer closes with that beautiful doxology, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. The structure of prayer, addressing God, petitioning God, and in the end, praising God for who he is. This morning, we look at that address of the prayer, our Father in heaven. And that address speaks to our relationship to God. You know, kids, when you see me in the back of church, uh, you often will say, oh, good morning, Reverend Nehemiah, or good morning, Pastor, or good morning, uh, you know, Mr. Nehemiah, or something like that. And that, that speaks to our relationship. But when my kids would see me in the morning, they wouldn't say, good morning, Reverend Nehemiah. They'd say, good morning, Dad. Good morning, Dad. How we address someone speaks to our relationship to them. And in the Lord's Prayer, our address to God is to our Father. We don't begin our prayer, oh, great mystical force out there somewhere. We begin our Father in heaven. And it speaks of the intimacy of our relationship with God. And that's what we look at this morning, talking with our Father. 
Our confession says, uh, why has God commanded us to address God as Father? To awaken in us, at the very beginning of our prayer, what should be basic? A childlike reverence and trust. A childlike reverence and trust. We have a God with whom we have a relationship. He is not a God who is far off. He is not a God who is distant. You know, some people conceive of God as this great, uh, great powerful force, and he, he made all the world, he made everything that was created, and he kind of, kind of threw the world off, and he sits back and watches things happen from a distance. The deistic God. We don't address God that way. As a God who is distant and far removed from creation. Some, some conceive God in just the opposite. Not a God who is far removed, but a God who exists in everything. God is in the trees, and God is in the rocks, and God is in the flowers, and God is in the clouds, and God is in the ground. And this, this impersonal understanding of who God might be. God is everywhere, but, but He's impersonal. We address God as Father. A God who is near to us, a God with whom we have a relationship, a God that we can know. We begin with that childlike reverence and awe that we are speaking to our Father. And even as we speak Father, that word does still speak to the authority that God has over us. Now, children, I don't imagine that many of you, or perhaps any of you, call your parents by their first name. We just don't do that. We don't call our parents by their first name. We call them mom and dad or mother and father because that expresses their place in our lives, their role over us, the authority God has given to them. And so when we address God as Father, yes, it speaks of intimacy, but it also speaks of His authority. It shows respect to Him. That childlike reverence. As a child reveres their parents, so we revere our Father in heaven. And we trust that God. We trust that Father that he will care for us as his children, that he does care for our particular needs. Young children tend to have a, an implicit trust in their parents. When our kids are little, uh, they just trust what mom and dad say. Now, sometimes, you know, dads have a tendency to take that to an extreme and we try to fool our children at times, but uh, implicitly, Children believe their parents. If their parents tell them something, it is trustworthy. They know it's true. We can believe our Father in heaven when He speaks to us. When His holy word reveals to us His care, His concern, when He reveals to us the path of life and blessing and peace, we can, as a child, trust the word of their Father, believe our God. Believe everything that he says is trustworthy. The psalmist says, I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul 
within me. In the presence of our God and Father, we are calmed. We are quieted, knowing that he will care for us. I find it interesting the psalmist uses the picture here of a weaned child. Up to that point, the child has been completely dependent upon his mother in a real and physical way. But as a weaned child, the child is still dependent, but in a different way. God provides for us sometimes very immediately, and sometimes he provides immediately through various means. And in either way, we can have that childlike awe and trust and reverence that he will continue to care for us. Sometimes God provides for us through the very normal means of our work, of our labor. God gives us jobs to do. He gives us tasks to do. We go and we work and we get a paycheck and we use that to pay all the bills. But that's God's providing in very normal, regular ways. Sometimes he provides in very special ways, ways out of the ordinary. And yet still we know it is God's work in both like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Calm, childlike, in the presence of our Father. Our confession says, I have that childlike reverence and trust that through Christ, God has become our Father. We can trust that through Christ, God has become our Father. We know that we are not God's natural children. Jesus Christ is the only eternal, natural Son of God. Our nature, our fallen nature, is to be children of wrath, children of disobedience, children who don't care what their parents say. But God, because of the finished work of Christ, has adopted us as his very own. He has changed that, that character of our heart from a heart that, that is disobedient and running away from him to a heart that now has that, that assurance that this great God is my God for the sake of Jesus Christ, his son. God has established the relationship. He has chosen us to be his own. And as such, we are allowed, we are commanded to call him our father. Some would say, oh, that, that's so presumptuous. How do you presume to talk to the creator of the heavens and the earth, this great and powerful and awesome God, and speak to him as father? Because that's what God has asked us to do, to recognize that relationship that we have with him. Just like in, in our human families, when a child is adopted and brought into the home, they don't speak to their parents as Mr. and Mrs., but they are allowed, they are encouraged to call them father and mother. We have been adopted by God, brought into his family, and we have the privilege of calling him our Father, recognizing the truth of that relationship. Children of God, that we read earlier this morning, children of God, that is what we are. Not just a, a, something on paper, not just a fiction. We actually belong to him 
And he truly is our Father for the sake of his Son, Jesus Christ. And as such, he loves us, he cares for us, he provides for us. We can be assured because of who he is. He has initiated the relationship. He has called us to be his own. He has brought us into his family. We can be assured, not because of who we are, but because God's care and love for his children. A divine assurance we belong to him. And this father, this heavenly father, this perfect father, knows our needs. He knows our concerns. He knows that we need a place to live, and he knows that we need food to eat, and he knows we need work to do, and he knows we need education, and he knows we need friends, and he knows we need all these things. And our Father provides. We can trust, we can put our hope, our assurance in him because of who he is. The psalmist says in verse 3, O Israel, hope in the Lord. We put our hope in God because of that relationship, because he has chosen us to be his children. Hope in the Lord, and he uses here that beautiful covenant word for God, the Lord, the one who's in relationship with his people, highlights that truth. We belong to him. He is our father for the sake of Jesus Christ. We might say that the ground of our asking things in prayer is because he is our almighty father. The the ground of of him hearing us his prayer is because of his kind, compassionate concern for us, his children. It's not the eloquence of our prayers. It's not the beauty of what words we say. It's not having the right incantation to make God listen to us. But he hears us because of who he is, his kind, loving compassion for his children. Our confession says this God, this Father, is a heavenly Father. We read in question 121, why the words, who is in heaven? These words teach us not to think of God's heavenly majesty in an earthly way and to expect from his almighty power everything needed for body and soul. It reminds us of God's heavenly ability to provide. To not think of God in an earthly way, but remember, He's a heavenly Father. You know, there are those today who say that we should not use the term Father for God because there are uh, broken relationships on the earth between children and their fathers. And so we shouldn't talk about God as Father. We shouldn't highlight God's fatherhood. But we recognize there are broken relationships between children and fathers, and that is a hurtful thing. Yet we don't change our understanding of who God is because of our brokenness and fallenness. In fact, it's just the other way around. When we recognize that God is our Father, loving, compassionate, caring, providing, that becomes the the model for us as fathers. We don't change the idea of God's fatherhood because we're sinful. No, we are to be conforming ourselves to who he is, to that beautiful picture, that wonderful standard of fatherhood. We continue to speak of God this way. God, the loving father of his children, and we orient our fatherhood 
toward his fatherhood. And we expect that as a powerful, heavenly father, he will do everything necessary to care for us. Once again, from our confession, that through Christ, God has become our father and will much less refuse to give us what we ask in faith than will our parents refuse us the things of this life. God will not refuse us, even as our parents will not refuse us the things of this life. We, as human fathers, want to provide for our children. Kids, we want to take care of you. We want to do everything necessary to protect you and provide for you. But as human fathers, we are not always able to do that. We have the desire, but we don't always have the ability. And there are times when we are frustrated, when we wish we could just make things better for you. But we're human. We cannot do everything. That never happens to God. God never wishes that there was something he could do to help, but he is unable to. God is never frustrated. God never sees our difficulties and our pains and says, oh, I wish I could do something about that. He is a heavenly Father, able to do everything necessary for us. Us human fathers, we try to do what is best, but we sometimes fail. We know we don't always make the best decisions, even with the best of intentions for our children. God never fails. God always knows what is best. God always does what is best. The psalmist says, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. In other words, the psalmist says, I don't think too much of myself. I don't think I know everything. I don't think I have all the answers. And so I look to you, O God. I trust in you. We recognize that we are fallen and we are sinful and we do not see things clearly. And yet we have a God who always does what is best, who always knows the right answer. And so knowing this God, knowing his ability, we may expect our answers from him and expect that he will answer in the best way possible. I wonder sometimes, do we really expect God to answer our prayers? I sometimes think that we, uh, we rattle prayers off without a lot of thought, or we say, well, you know what, I just can't see any way this is going to get fixed, so I guess, God, if you want to try, you go ahead too. Do we really expect God to answer? You know, kids, when you come to your parents, for help, when you say, Mom and Dad, I need your help with this decision or I need your help in doing this thing, you expect they're going to help you. You're, that's why you're going to them. You're going to them because you think Mom and Dad can help me with this. 
That is to be the way that we come to our Heavenly Father, expecting He will answer. And sometimes when our kids come to us and they ask for our help, they have something in mind. They'll say, look, this is what's going on, and this is how I think I should deal with it. And as parents who have lived longer than our children, who have faced various issues and trials in our lives, we may say to them, that's not the best way to go forward. And our kids say, yeah, but I think this, is, this will solve the problem. We say, you know, we've lived a little bit, and that's not going to be the answer. That's not the best way to go forward. There are times when we go to God in prayer, telling Him the problem, which He already knows, and then telling Him how He should answer that problem as a child tells a parent. But our God knows far beyond what our feeble minds know. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows what is best for us. We often think we know what's best for us. Our God knows what is best for us. And so we must be ready to receive his answers, even if they are different than we thought. My heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I don't occupy myself with things too great for me or too marvelous for me. But God, I trust in you. I trust you know what is best. And, and, and from our side, sometimes we say to God, how can this be best? How can this be what is, what is <clears throat> best for me, what is best for my family, what is best for my church? How can this be what's best? But God truly knows. He knows what is right. He knows what is proper. He knows what his children need. And that heavenly Father provides for us. Oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Our hope is in God, in God our Father. Do you know him as your Father? That, that for the sake of Jesus Christ, all of your sins have been forgiven. That for the sake of Jesus Christ and with the shedding of his blood, you have been washed and you have been cleansed and you have been brought into the family. If you do not know that truth, that reality, if you do not have the confidence that God is your Father, then today he calls out to you. The Father calls and says, embrace and believe in my Son, Jesus Christ, and know the assurance of salvation, the assurance of sins taken away, and know the assurance that you too have been brought into my family. You too are a child of God. That is what we are. God in his love and mercy once again on this Christian Sabbath day calls out with the call of the gospel, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. I have quieted my soul like a weaned child. The rest 
Rest from our sins. Rest in the presence of our God. Rest knowing He is our Father. What a wonderful way to begin our prayer. Not, oh, great spirit out there somewhere, but our Father in heaven. Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Let's join together in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for the avenue of prayer by which we can come to you and speak to you and open our hearts to you. Oh Lord God, we do come to you with that childlike reverence and awe, knowing that because of your Son, Jesus Christ, you have become our Father. You have chosen us. You've adopted us to be your very own. And as a loving Father, you will not refuse us the things of this life, but will provide for all of our needs. Thank you, O God, for this wonderful assurance. Help us more and more to trust in you. You are the almighty God. You are the powerful Father, the heavenly Father. Hear us and answer, O God, in the best way that is possible, for you know what is good for your children. Hear our prayer. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen.